At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hey gang, how are you? Happy Thanksgiving week. Kevin Goatee here, gutting the sacred cow. And guess what? We actually managed to find Casey St. Ange, who hates planes, trains, and automobiles. The Thanksgiving movie of all Thanksgiving movies. Before we get to it, hey, why not do us a quick favor? Go on over to that little, you know, YouTube or wherever you watch us. Actually, YouTube is the only place you can watch us. Go to YouTube and just smash that subscribe button. We could really use the help, appreciate that. And if you wanna drop by and say hello, hello, on the old socials, Gutting the Sacred Cow is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr? Yeah, we are. And uh, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com if you want to drop us a line or want to advertise with us. We love to help you build your brand or help sell your product. And without any further ado, good luck, Casey St. Ange, about the take on planes, trains, and automobiles. You're going to need it. Gather around, here's what I know. That's it, buddy. You tell the turd who's boss. Kevin Israel, name that film. Austin Powers. Oh! <laughs> Is that too early when, when it's quotes that I've actually like said or used or repeated, I'll, I'll get that's That's an easy one. Who <laughs> does number two work for? See, I thought that was one that was a little off the beaten path because the obvious ones, obvious, it just, it, you know, it's, it's road. No, thank you. But this one's like, ah, maybe, maybe. Uh, but you know, know them. Scatological okay. humor will always get me. Oh, uh, and that's why you're my work wife. Kevin Goatee, <laughs> Kevin Israel. How are you folks? Here we go again. Another week, another episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow. This week, we are joined by the lovely Casey St. Ange. Casey, how are you today? I'm well. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. Casey, why don't you start off by telling everybody what you're up to, where we can find you. We have to do plugs in the beginning. 
Oh, sure. Um, what am I up to? I co-host the podcast. Busy Phillips is doing her best with Busy Phillips, who's an actor, as you know. She's my creative partner. When I'm not doing that, I'm a television producer and comedy writer and uh, just a nice person. And that's I mean, the, the important part. Yeah, that last part I can vouch for. The other two, I have to look at your credits and then see if there's anything. <laughs> anything. <laughs> Anything good? Anything you might have seen? Um, you know, just a lot of TV shows. Just, uh, That's I awesome. just make a lot of TV shows and uh, have been doing that for a really long time. Probably since you were maybe even born. I don't know how old you are. Oh, maybe. look at you. She's flirting, Kevin, because we're older uh, than we look. That's flattery. <laughs> I, I feel like I look exactly as old as I am. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? I don't know. Uh, maybe. I don't know. If, uh, if you produce Three's Company, Three's Company, then maybe. <laughs> no. All right. Well, I didn't, but I did enjoy Three's Company. Who so did it? That gives you, if that gives you a window. But yeah. And then where can you find me? I don't know. All the places. Twitter, where you guys found me. Right. Instagram. Casey like has decided to target a film. Kevin Israel, I thought this one was on our, on our bulletproof list as a lot of other films that we thought were bulletproof, but people just have tried to assail these films. Casey has decided to tackle the Thanksgiving film of Thanksgiving films, and that is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. 1987, a budget at the time of $30 million, a box office gross of $49.5 million. And I forgot to translate it into 2021 money, but the, uh, but the uh, 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 all-in money, box office gross, 707 million dollar haul in 2021 money so there we have it imdb is a scale one through ten with decimal points hey casey why don't you try and take a stab and tell me what you think that planes trains and automobiles scored on the old imdb Mm. wait it's a scale of one to ten one to ten with decimal points probably something like 8.9. 8.9. Kevin Israel, how about you? What do you think it scored in the old IMDb? 7.8. Seven 7.2. <sighs> okay. All right. Rotten Tomatoes is a 1 through 100 percentage base score. Kevin Israel, the critics' Rotten Tomatoes score, if you please. 85. Casey St. Ange. Rotten Tomatoes, I feel like, is newer than IMDb, but I also feel like Rotten Tomatoes is mostly scored by white men. So I feel like it's a wash, 75%. Critics have given this a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. White men representing, coming in strong. Casey, why don't you take a guess and see what the audience gave that film? Mm. I feel like the audience is similar to the critics in their feelings. So I'm going to say like 89%. Kevin Israel. See, I think this, I would have guessed this is higher audience than critics. So I, uh, I'm going to go 95. 87. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, All right. This one for me. <laughs> Quotes 
We'll have better luck playing pickup six with our butt cheeks. <laughs> How you doing, Dell? I'm a million bucks being short of. I'm sorry, I'm a million bucks short of being a millionaire. Larry Bird doesn't do that much ball handling in one night. You know what I need? No, what? I tell you what you need. Another, another hand at a second set of balls. That's a great one. Where's your hand between two pillows? Those aren't pillows. That's the one. Uh, uh-oh, what? You're fucked. And uh, here's a, actually this one off the beaten path that jumped out at me. I've never seen a man picked up by his testicles before. You're going the wrong way. How do they know where we're going? Kevin Israel quotes. I mean, you just reenacted the whole movie. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, the uh, this one this one hit me because I've I've said this to people before or something like it. You're not even amusing accidentally. <laughs> and and this one, which you 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 followed up with the response quote, but we've all felt this way at some point. I want a fucking car right fucking now. Casey, how about you? Any quotes that jumped out at you? The one that honest to goodness made me laugh is when they're in the back of the truck and Steve Martin says, what do you think the temperature is here? And John Candy says one. (laughs) That's good. Any other quotes you have or no? No, I don't. Okay. No. (laughs) That's fine. No, no, that's fine. Now we're going to our new favorite segment, which on Twitter, of course, every Monday when we tape or whenever we tape, you can go to, of course, GTSE podcast when we post our Ask a Gutter. 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 Bango2331 asks, no questions for Casey. Just shocked someone can hate this film. Actually, I checked that back. You know what? I do have a question. Which host between Kevin Israel and myself is who, who is who in the infamous pillow scene? He wants to know. That's not fair. She doesn't know us well enough. Oh, this is all pure gut reaction. I feel like Kevin G is Steve Martin. (laughs) Oh, I'll take that. I'm the big spoon. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, does that make sense? Sure. I mean, it's Kevin, Kevin's going to have a, a heart attack and die in his 50s, so I'll take that as I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> it means I'm nibbling on your ear, Kevin. Enjoy it. I'm not complaining. Did you hear me go, oh, gross? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> Next question, uh, John D. at Jaylee D's. Wow, if there was ever a perfect buddy comedy, this is as close as you're going to get. I'm curious to hear the rationale. My question is, do you think Casey, you could beat Kevin Bacon in a foot race through a New York street. I most certainly could not beat Kevin Bacon at that age in a foot race through the New York streets. I couldn't beat him now at his advanced age now. And uh, moreover, I wouldn't race Kevin Bacon. I would just uh, let him let him have what he's chasing after. Oh, well, apparently you're a big Quicksilver fan then if you went to let him go. <laughs> Put loose. Yes. Oh, <laughs> look at you. Yeah. That was mine. Was good. Yours was better. <laughs> Our buddy Lord Snurts wants to know. Hey, Casey, who would you cast if the movie was being rebooted today? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I would cast. 
Ron Funches, maybe, as Del Griffith. And uh, for Neil Page, I would cast... Oh, my gosh. Um, that's, a, that's a really... Kumail Nanjiani. Mm-hmm. They are doing a reboot. You know that, correct? Are they really? You ready to hear this? No. Will God. Smith and Kevin Hart. Okay. Don't okay. No, no. It is not okay. Well, <laughs> it makes sense. No. Hate, reboot. I, I hate reboots. That's my... Uh, unless it's you a hate bit, reboots? I yeah. Lo- yeah. Uh, you, give me a good reboot besides Dread. I'll wait. Especially <laughs> especially about a, char- a character-driven reboot. Like, this movie was... Be- this movie only existed, in my mind, because of these two guys, the two actors. So you're mm-hmm. taking a movie that was based around these two comedic styles and now trying to just just give kevin hart and will smith an original comedy right and i could well, i could see that i could see the pairing of the two of them working right but why not just make a whole new movie right well that's the thing about reboots right they're about like familiarity and an audience that's already there and ip that companies own and then you're trying to put a fresh spin on it but it very often is not really anything like the original spirit of the movie or whatever. Obviously it's different actors, different performers. So yes, it would make more sense probably to do because reboots seem to just often anger people too, because they want to see, they want to see a continuation of the, what they're familiar with and what they love. And unfortunately that's, that's not possible in this case, but it makes sense. It makes sense to me that Will and Kevin would do a reboot of this. That doesn't, knows, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. That casting yeah. doesn't surprise me, yeah. but it, it, it kind of disappoints me. Or they can do another two of them. Or they can do another buddy comedy film where it's not under the planes, trains and automobiles banner. It could be something completely different because, well, yeah, listen, my only rule of reboots is this, unless the original sucks, then don't reboot it. I.E. judge red blue. Dread <laughs> was amazing. Most of these other reboots, Point Break, RoboCop, Awful. they were all fucking perfect. I, oh, no, 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 no the, the original. The reboot, yeah, yeah. I'm saying I will, I, and I will not waste time watching the re- reboot because the originals are amazing. Next one we have from Goldust, at Goldust27. I've never seen it, but judging by the synopsis I just Googled, I'm glad. Sounds like a bro version of Christmas with the Cranks. Well, Simpy Sp- Goldust27, you are so viciously wrong. Next. Christmas with the <laughs> Yeah. How did you, what? Bro version? No, I'm not buying that. Uh, our buddy at Newark Night, Brandon Oglesby. Wow, I thought this movie was too was too wholesome to gut, but I guess not. Do you like John Candy's comedy, Casey, or do you think it's mostly nostalgia? No, I love John Candy. I think that this movie was not a good vehicle for not only John Candy's talents. I think everybody's talent was wasted in this movie. All right. Well, don't don't, don't get into the whys yet. That's for your section. But now we're going to get into our other favorite fa- section. That is five fun facts. Five fun facts, 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 five fun facts. Did you know John Hughes used to be a copywriter for an ad agency in Chicago? Well, this movie is autobiographical because he was supposed to be on a 5 p.m. flight home on a Wednesday, but winds canceled the flight to Chicago, so he stayed in a hotel. Then was delayed again when this when snow hit Chicago. The plane he got on was diverted to Denver, then Phoenix. John Hughes didn't make it home until the following Monday. Wow. Poor John. 
He wrote this lightning fast, by the way. The first, I think he said first 80 pages, 70 pages were done in three or four hours. Number two, the crew brought treadmills, weights, and exercise equipment for John Candy and stash in his hotel suite. Steve Martin said he didn't use any of it. I say, I'm not shocked. Yeah. (laughs) That's insulting and stupid. Yes. (laughs) Number three, there is a three hour cut of this movie laying around in the uh, in the vaults of I think it was Universal or Paramount. I forgot which studio. There's a three hour cut laying around, which equivocates to 600,000 feet of film or, as I call it, one fourth of any Judd Apatow film. I, I knew it. I knew that was going to end the Judd Sorry. Apatow. Punchline. Well, now I'll never make a lo- now I'll never make a Judd Apatow long movie joke. Just they're bad. <laughs> Number four, Steve Martin joined the film for two reasons: one, the seat adjustment scene in the car, and of course, the F word tirade at the rental car desk. Now, which is one, and this is one of my favorites. Who were the first choices for this film? Kevin Israel, Casey. I'm going to give you one. Uh, all right. Two of the four are were three of the four were big names in the eighties. The fourth, you're never going to, you'll be surprised, but two of the four were absolute. You can say, yep, I can see it. And the two I'm talking about a listers in the, in the eighties, take a guess. I'll let Casey go first. A listers in the eighties. Huge. Mel Gibson. You say that so painfully. No. He, because he causes people pain. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> not, in 80, not in 87. He was too busy doing Lethal Weapon. Uh, true, true. Not, not, no, Kevin, not, uh, not Chevy Chase. Uh, the first one, Tom Hanks was, but he was too busy filming Big, which we just okay. did. Yeah. And John Goodman uh, sorry, was, was also considered, which I would think would that be a, a good one. The yeah. other two names that are a little off the beaten path, Rick Moranis, and also considered at the time box office poison is John Travolta again, who also was considered for big. So that's hilarious. And also I could said, see I could see Rick Moranis as Steve Martin's. A hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. And John Goodman being uh Del yeah. Griffith. Yeah. And that does it for five fun facts. Kevin Israel, it's time to let our guests shine. It's time for this TV producer to see if she can make that leap in the film and see if Casey St. Ange cannot gut Gut the the sacred sacred cow. cow. Wow, guys. Um, Okay, so let me first say that I watched, I've seen this film a number of times over the years, uh, mostly not by my choice, um, accidentally, but in preparation for this podcast, I watched it two times because I wanted to make sure I hate it as much as I thought I did, and I still do. So (laughs) I want to start out by saying I'm incredibly loyal to John Hughes. I love John Hughes films. That could be why this one hurts so much. I will also say, because you guys don't know me, we're just meeting. I do hate a plot that just centers on things going wrong. Like, it's just I hate it <laughs> because it it just um it's not it, it, I think it always results in um you're not going anywhere creative nothing surprising usually ever happens in a film that hinges on just thing a list of things going wrong so with that being said 
Um, I want to love this movie. I love every single last person that's in this movie. And as I said earlier, I think it's a poor showcase for all of their talents. I think they were all wasted. I think you get a little taste of how funny Edie McClurg is, but that's it. That's it. She has like one kind of killer delivered line, which you quoted in, in your quotable quotes. You're fucked. So let's like just jump into it. Start at the beginning. Steve Martin is a dick as Neil Page. He's a dick. He was inconvenienced. He was made to stay late at a meeting that was scheduled two days before Thanksgiving because, oh, poor guy. He's like an advertising executive and he had to stay and sit quietly waiting to earn money and then try to rush home for Thanksgiving. And I'm just like, he, he was already overly impatient and angry right from the jump so he's upset because he wants to get home to his family but he's being rude to everyone else he's rude to his colleague at the back of the office he's rude to the flight attendant because his tickets messed up a nice guy a nice man who loves his family and only wants to get home to his family i feel like wouldn't be so peevish with everyone that he comes in contact with ever anyway also Neil Page, you fucking planned poorly for right before the holidays for getting home. Like that's, you're trying to make a last minute flight two nights before. You know you live in Chicago. You know what the weather is like in Chicago. You know it's the 1980s and you don't have cell phones or the internet to fix your ticket up when it gets messed up. So just like, it's poor planning on your part. Then John Candy, who plays, I guess, the hero of the film, Del Griffith, Nobody is that stupid, gross, or inconsiderate. Nobody, nobody. When he takes his shoes and socks off in the plane, that's fucking disgusting. I get it that it's a joke, but there's literally entire, like, social media accounts dedicated to shaming people that behave in this way. I Cassie, feel like that- one second, one second, Casey. Uh, sure. I, I'm going to give you a hug because I agree with you. I think people who take their shoes off on plane are monsters and need to be put in steerage if I, they take their shoes off. Flip-flops, yeah. I'm, flip-flops I'm fine with because they don't have- I don't s- even like that. Nope. I, well, I'm a flip-flop guy, but my feet don't. But first of all, this, this, when you have the socks come off because they have that smell just sitting there, you've been up for hours, then you get on the plane, they take off, then it just unleashes the smell. At least the flip-flops, they're already aerated, and there is no smell. Let me just, just to be fair, I told you what I hate. I hate feet more than anything in the world. Like, when I was pregnant with my children, like the same I same person. I was going to say, you guys should have dated. La- when i was pregnant with my sons i would almost black out when i would start to think that there was feet inside me you know what i mean like i couldn't (laughs) handle it at all and so i don't like any flip-flops and i don't want to see anyone's feet not if we're dating not if we're nobody's feet and i sure don't want to see john candy's feet even though i love him i the thing that i'm the biggest fan of in this entire world is the musician Prince, and I don't even want to see his feet ever. And I love that guy a lot. So, so you don't. Anyway. So you don't watch. You don't watch many Quentin Tarantino films, and it sounds like no. I have to like cover my eyes. I'm not even joking. I don't even like. I'm <laughs> grossed out that I'm talking about feet right now. So anyway, then I you know. It. 
he st- he steals the cab from Neil and like like I'm saying nobody's that nobody's that much of a bumpkin. He's in New York City. He lives in Chicago or wherever. He lives in the Chicago suburbs, I'm assuming. So, you know, he should be a pretty savvy guy and he's being played like he's just has no idea. I did like the taxi driver Doobie when they got to that first <laughs> uh when they when they had to get to that first hotel room. Mm-hmm. But I have to say like and Listen, I'm not saying that I didn't laugh at these jokes in the 80s, but I think now you have to acknowledge that a gay panic joke does not hold up. So when they first get to that motel room and he's like, do you want to take a shower? And he's like, no. And they're like, he's like, no, 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 not together. Ha ha. I'm not propositioning you in a gay way. Like those just don't hold up. So, you know, we have to acknowledge that the quality of jokes in some movies has risen. The bar has risen and um, that one's below the bar. He's taking his shower. The water goes off. Fine. That happens in a motel. So that's like mildly inconvenient. Then he gets out of the shower and he sees that like all the towels are wet and the floor is wet and it's like disgusting. But that's just like lazy, poor filmmaking. How could he have gotten in the shower without seeing that the bathroom was in a repulsive state? Why is that a reveal and surprise to him when he gets out of the shower? Mm -hmm. So for me, that's like not the best, not the best writing. There aren't a lot of jokes in the movie itself it's more of like personality based gags as you were saying even when you you were saying like the best quotes i was like like one of these is mildly amusing it's like a half a joke um so like for example an example of like the a personality gag when they're in bed together and dell starts like (laughs) and he's like you know i have to clear my sinuses or i won't be able to i'm like what is like that's not a joke. You know what I mean? It's not a hard joke. It's just like this guy, he has an annoying personality. He keeps being annoying, you know? So then he's with his sinuses. Okay. It's a joke. I guess that's what constitutes a joke in this movie. Well, so I, think it also, that- I think it also just sets up where when Steve Martin erupts on him, like, okay, this snor- snorting all that, it just builds up, builds up, builds up. And he's yes. kaboom, like a volcano blows up at- I think I think it kind of plays important to the to the recipe of why he loses his shit. It does, it does. Which I will say that also kind of plays into something I want to talk about, which is like again, even the writing that's non joke writing is a little like you said. You talked about how quickly John Hughes wrote this. I think that is clear, and I think he also maybe didn't take a second pass at it because some of the stuff is like Steve Martin erupts on John Candy and says, how'd you like a mouthful of teeth? That's not a thing, but we all already have a mouthful of teeth. It's how would you like a mouthful of fist or would you like a mouthful of broken teeth? Right. Or what? But I'm like, John Hughes, like just take a second pass. Like first thought isn't best thought. You know what I mean? I will say this during that moment, they're cutting back to John Candy and his cutaways where he's clearly like getting emotional and tearful. That is some good dramatic acting by John Candy. But Steve Martin, I feel like was being misused and he was so mean. He was being so, so mean that it was more uncomfortable than funny, but not uncomfortable in a way that like sometimes you have to get to to get something good. So it's interesting when you said 
Rick Moranis was considered for that role because I was really thinking, like trying to put myself in that position to think how would Rick Moranis have played differently in um, that that scene. I feel like Steve Martin's have a point speech could apply to this movie. Like I think everything he said about Dell and what Dell should be embarrassed about is also true of this movie, but it is a good dramatic scene by John Candy. And then it swells into that like eighties ballad where Steve Martin like realizes that he went too far and that he's like not being a good person. (laughs) And that did kind of make me laugh, even though it was not, intended to make anyone laugh, but it did make me laugh because it was so cliche. But then we're like at the next morning. And again, this is the poor writing. Steve Martin goes in to like wash his face in the bathroom that was disgusting last night after he like realizes that he should be nicer to Dell. Dell's a good guy at heart. He goes in to wash his face in the bathroom and then smells his hands. And he's like, oh, what's this smell? And then he looks down and the sink is full of socks. How could you fucking wash your face in a sink and not know it's full of socks, Steve Martin? Fair point. This, Fair point. This, this movie is full of unearned reveals. And John Hughes is the king of comedic reveals. If you think of like Home Alone, it's full of them. And they're legitimately funny, surprising reveals. But he's doing all of these reveals where the character should have known that shit to begin with. And then he like tops it off by like wiping his face with um, John Candy's disgusting underwear, which he also should have seen and known by the texture of his hands. Wasn't a towel, but on his hands. Yeah, whatever. Um, There's another gay panic joke again, where they're like, wake up cuddling, which again, we just have to acknowledge that we know better now and we do better. Um, And then they realize when they're at the diner that they've been robbed. How could you not know... (laughs) That you were robbed. Wouldn't your room door be open? Wouldn't the chain be broken? Uh, It's in my notes. (laughs) It's in your notes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like it could have. This is what I'm saying. In a second pass, maybe you think of a more clever way. Maybe you think of a more clever scene that happens with a robber that they like battle a robber together. I will say at least the robber was white. So we weren't leaning into any racist tropes even back then, which is good. That's a positive, right? I want to give credit where credit's due. But then... Neil like calls his wife again and she's just like waiting at home, like eating toast sadly. And like, it's perfectly peaceful there. And she's like, where are you? And he's like, I'm still on the road. And I'm like, here's the thought that I had. It's so calm and so peaceful. They have three children. That is not what it's like to be home alone with three children at all. When your husband's on the road the existence of this movie disproves in the cinematic universe or is disproves the right word you guys tell me the existence of this movie negates the existence of the movie mr mom you know what i'm saying does that make sense yeah like if that's the way kids act when your spouse is away from your house then mr mom should have never been a movie because nothing entertaining would have happened at home with michael keaton and those kids 
But that's not like it, it's like the day before Thanksgiving. She needs to be putting those kids in the car seats. She needs to be pissed off when her husband's calling. She needs to be out trying to find stuffing at 57 stores, not just like home, sadly, eating jelly toast. Like, where are you, honey? The wife is such a thin character that it's just whoo. And that's like, a, obviously, I'm a woman. These things are meaningful to me. John Hughes did a lot of amazing female characters over the year. This movie is like devoid of like, it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. It doesn't pass the like, does this woman have any thoughts that don't revolve around Steve Martin test? And that's like, I think every woman that's actually in the movie all has to do with like what's happening with, with Neil Page. So anyway, Mom. Listen, but to be fair, it's not about her. It's about two guys who meet each other on a trip. The wife is so far removed from the main story. Yes. Why, why does she need to be a focal point? I'm, I'm having a hard time with that, that. That is, to be fair, yes. But I will say this. As a woman, I like to see a version of myself reflected on screen and I lose interest when I'm not because it's not about anything that I would be thinking or so that could that could be why I've never liked the film like to be fair it's not about half of the world so don't worry about you know do you understand what I'm saying so but then at the same same thought if you see an Avengers film I don't think you're echoed in any of those heroes and their traits so it's not about you either, but I'm sure you like the Avengers films or maybe another one like those films where it's not you being represented in that film. I don't, I mean, listen, it's, it's, this is weird to be saying to two guys, but everybody else has taken such a backseat to like entertainment that is geared toward guys and revolves around guys. And so now that we've improved on that a little bit, you really notice it and that's all you can see. So I'm saying like throughout my life, I maybe couldn't put my finger on it, but I'm like, there's not like one funny lady in it. Like, you know, like I said, Edie McClurg like touched on being funny for like one second in that movie. And I think it is one of the funnier lines of the movie. But yeah, for the most part, like it's just like, it's kind of, I don't know. I think that that might be an issue for me is that it's just two guys. And I'm like, well, okay, guys, Godspeed. <laughs> but anyway, going on, they didn't know they were robbed. Um, when that, oh, okay. That when they're in the diner, this is a part that like really bugged me, but it was like a good note about the writing, which by the way, I haven't, John Hughes is a wildly successful writer. I've not written a wildly successful film, so take all this with a, a grain of salt. I'm just telling you what I think. In the diner, when Dell says, we were robbed when he goes to like look for money, and Steve Martin's rejoinder, Neil's rejoinder is, do you think so? In a stupid voice. <laughs> like, that's not, that's like, like my mom says that to me when I say something obvious. That's like what a bully dad says to his kids when they say something obvious. That's not like sharp or it's, good. It, well, again, I, I know we're gonna, I don't want to be discombative with you, but put yourself in yeah. issues for just a minute. You've just been robbed. And even though the setup that you've, that you've just said of how they didn't realize it is stupid, fine. Just take that out of the equation. Yeah, yeah. 
If you found out you just were robbed and someone says something like, what you got, wouldn't you come back with a smarmy ass fucking response? I know I would because I lost my keys today. No one came across me and <laughs> I, I, I deserved them to fucking business for asking something stupid. But you're in such a shitty place. You just can't help but have a fucking assy response to somebody going, you know what? Let's not ask dumb questions. I just lost a lot of money. I lost my credit cards. I lost all this right. shit. Let's fuck off. And, you know, for just, you're going to have <laughs> this, that natural reaction. I can, I can, this is all true. It. This is all true. And I'm, I'm arguing for like realism with like these bathroom scenes. I'm like, how could this dumbass not know that the bathroom was disgusting? Right. But like, it's a comedy. So, like, what is the point of like responding in a realistic way instead of taking that? heightened opportunity to land a really good joke, a really good blow that closes out that, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a missed opportunity. Again, it feels very first drafty to me. It's like when um, sometimes I'll work with comedy writers that are like maybe a little bit older than me. And then they're like, you know, somebody will be like, I'm not sure this joke works. And they're like, what if we say blah, 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 not and I'm like, oh, uh, it's time uh, for us to put you down. No, not, <laughs> not, to, not, to, not to beat the scene to death. I'll give a different take than both of you. Okay. I thought it was going somewhere completely different. I thought, because he had just gotten done accusing Dell of stealing the money. Yes. And then Dell opens his wallet and goes, oh, my God, my money's gone, too. I thought it was going to be like, oh, really? You lost your money? Isn't that convenient? I thought he was going to continue with the whole... I'm accusing you of stealing, and now I think you're just making this look like you're also a victim. Right. And it didn't, and it didn't and he, but he immediately was suddenly like, like, no, obviously we were both robbed. But a minute ago, you thought he robbed you, so I thought it was too quick of a change of his, of his assumption. And the audience was running with, oh, I see. He's going to think he's robbed. He robbed him, and now there's going to be an exchange. And then suddenly he was like, yeah, obviously we were both robbed. Was like, was it obvious? Because a minute ago you thought he robbed you. So that I thought that's where it was going to go, and it was going to end up right. into like a funny exchange about him being like, "No, I, I don't have any money either." I thought right. it was going to go a whole different way. If you're going to rob somebody and then try and go, "Oh, I got robbed too," you'd probably shove all the money in your sock or a hidden compartment in your suitcase. They could have, you know, another. Like, that's where that, and that's where I thought it was going to. Yeah, he was I, I, say, I, that's like, what, that's like, what I'm oh, picking up from you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. I'm with you. But that journey, which if you haven't seen the movie in a long time, remember he gets dropped off in the car rental parking lot. They tell him to go to space V5. The bus drives away. He goes to space V5. There's no car. So he has to like walk back to the airport. And it's like a, you know, it's a real journey. It's three miles according to him. And it's, he falls down a snow embankment, whatever. That whole scene, I was sort of like, like, could anything funnier have happened here? Like, what is the LOL part of this? Like, I guess he slides down the the little snow embankment and he falls. But it's also like the second time there's a gag where like Neil's stuff gets run over. In the beginning of the movie in New York City, his briefcase yeah. gets run over. Here, his hat gets run over. And I'm just like, is this what people were like uh, busting a gut over in the 80s? Like someone's belongings individually being run over over the course of two days. And so it's just like, that's again, another opportunity. I will for uh, that's again like another opportunity just for like a better written gag in my opinion 
opinion, uh, a second or third draft, maybe they would have cracked it. I will say that when he shows up in the airport, finally, I do like the sight gag of him having the tie tied around his ears as like earmuffs. That was funny. That was that was funny. And funny enough that it made me wonder if Steve Martin like improv it and thought of it like on the fly because um well, he's the same guy who also had an arrow, fake arrow through his head while he didn't stand up on stage. So, <laughs> honestly, yes. yes. He <laughs> loves a good sight gag. It was a simpler time. A yeah. simpler time. But it did make me laugh. And I was like, it was it was humor level out of character with the rest of the movie enough where I was like, oh, that's he must have just thought of that because it probably wasn't in the script. Edie McClurg is superb. She's superb in everything. Um, so she has like a really small role as like the the lady in charge of the rental car company. And she's like a little annoying, but I love how she turns the tables on him and is like, you know, because it's true. If you even if your car wasn't there in the rental car parking lot and you in anger whipped your papers, whipped your rental agreement across the parking lot and didn't bother to go get it, um, then that would, I would delight as a car rental agent in, in telling you after you'd cursed me out that you were shit out of luck and not getting a car. Um, I think we've all seen a fella have a tantrum like that. And it is, it's, I'll say it's funnier in real life than it played out in the movie. I think it's funnier to see a guy lose his shit in real life like that and then get his comeuppance and have someone tell, tell him. It reminded me of my dad, God rest his soul, with our lawnmower over the years. That was exactly what Steve Martin was doing. It was like he studied a uh, film of my dad. One of my favorite writers, Adam Resnick, used to say this, and he wasn't a writer there at the time, but... Um, he used to say this thing about like, there is the rule of three, but there's also this thing where you can continue to be the dead horse until it's annoying to everyone. And then it gets, if you can stick with it, if you can gut it out, it gets funny again. It does. Well, I promise you. I'm going to disagree because there's this little film called Napoleon Dynamite that did that <laughs> and it never got funny because that film fucking stinks. <laughs> oh my goodness. So anyway, well, I think. It does. It is true at times that you can repeat something enough that it's funny. But I do. I feel like if they had done the head almost getting run over joke at least three times, I would have been able to say, well, that was intentional and not lazy. So maybe on the maybe in that three hour version you mentioned, there's more footage of Steve Martin almost getting his head run over. But two times I'm kind of like, that just seems like you couldn't think of anything else and you did it again. There's that scene where the car goes between two trucks and they have a near the nearest near death experience. And then it flashes on like it cuts to like scenes of them as skeleton to shots of them as skeletons. And then as John Candy has like the devil laughing in Steve Martin's face. And I legitimately thought that was funny. It was absurd and wild and like, you know, representing like your life flashing before your eyes. It was kind of weird to me that they put an absurdist moment in the movie. Uh, did you guys think that was weird or were you like, I, I thought it was par for the course. I thought it fit the I thought it fit the motif perfectly. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it, I I'm not gonna lie, it didn't really it didn't really occur to me one way or the other. I thought it I thought the I, I, this was another scene that I thought was gonna go a completely other way. <laughs> I uh, I this isn't that wasn't I thought I was sure they were gonna something was gonna happen. I, I nothing yeah. really ended up happening, and I thought they were either gonna crash into something or 
the, the car was going to explode. So I thought something was going to happen, but then once they go through the trucks and it just, the car just spins around and it stops, I was like, oh, that's, and that's it. So I think I was more focused on what didn't happen rather than that moment. Cause I, I remember seeing John Candy as the, as the devil, but I, I, I don't think I was thinking about it because I don't, I don't remember the skeletons. So I, I clearly wasn't paying attention. I must have. Steve Martin has this like moment where he's laughing and laughing and Dell's like what's so funny you know and it, you can't tell if it's like literal hysterical laughter and he's like it finally happened to you you finally did something horrible to yourself and you're never going to be able to return this rental car ha 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 and john candy admits that he's rented the car with steve martin's diners club card that somehow ended up in his wallet and i'm like okay <laughs> At that point, you are a criminal. <laughs> You're a fucking criminal. Like all your annoying peccadillos, all the things like taking off your socks and washing your socks, all of that could be just chalked up to being like unself-aware. But at that point, Dell committed a crime. He committed fraud. And so it also negated that whole moment we were talking about earlier, Kevin, where he was like, I'm, I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a thief, you know, where... <laughs> Where he like swore up and down he didn't steal the money. He might as well have stolen the money because he committed fraud with his friend's credit card to rent this car. So, well, my final opinion is like, it's like a two for me. I think that... Oof. <laughs> I think that Neil has just like classic anger issues that are not fun to watch. I think he has shit to work out with a therapist and, you know, he supposedly loves his family, but he like doesn't see them and he's only home on the holidays. And it's like, what if you're like, if you're such a dick constantly, how fun is it for your family to have you around like being a dick? That's what I wonder. Or I'm like, is he one of those guys that's really nice to his family, but a dick to everyone else? That's not great either. Dell, I think is like, he has very sad life circumstances, but I also think he's manipulative. He's a borderline abusive scammer. I think his physical pain comes from emotional pain that he has over the loss of his wife, but he needs to work on that instead of just getting it all over everyone in public. He needs to, you know, he needs to figure that out. I estimated that I think the trip probably cost Neil around $35,000 in the end, <laughs> trying to get like in 1987 dollars. That's what I'm like between like crashing into a motel and destroying a car and all. He the didn't pay that. No, no, no. He fled. He did not fucking pay for that for those <laughs> he, hotel repairs. He did, died and ditched is what he did. He fled, but. Would the hotel not be able to track it back to him? No, how they could they? A, they? No just credit card, watch. cash in the watch. That's it. And there, any, there, like, like, there weren't any cameras outside. That was not a high. No, I feel like they had they had the the license plate number of the rental car, which would be traced back to to Neil, and he's gonna end up paying for the hotel motel repairs he gave up his great watch it was expensive let me say listen at, let's say 15 to thirty-five thousand dollars. it costs yeah, the car it costs neil the, the car alone yeah the car alone is enough um and then the have, worst, unless he had walk away insurance then he could say fuck all like they do in the jackass movies you go ah, i guess what walk away that's <laughs> too bad do you do you think dell insured no. that car when he was renting it with fraudulently well, here, with well, here, neil's here, here, card here, here, Here's the thing. When you have a credit card, you don't need car insurance. Like when they go, would you like to have rental insurance? Nope. Because I have a credit card that everything would ever happen. Do you think Diners Club covers <laughs> damages? I'm not, I, didn't, 
I've never had to rent a car with Diners Club. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like a library card, basically. Hilarious. Um, Fantastic. All right, so you give it a two out of ten, then. Got it. Yeah. Okay. It's, okay. It's, not a fan. Let me just, yeah. just before we go to Kevin Israel. I just want to know, you love, you said John Hughes films. Give me your favorite John Hughes film. So I just don't know where we stand here. I love Pretty in Pink. I love <laughs> 16 Candles. I love the Home Alone movies. So, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I love The Breakfast Club. See, I hated Breakfast Club. And I hate, and we okay. did Pretty, and I did Pretty, we did Pretty in the Pink on this podcast, and I hated that. Okay. And that, and, and that had issues, you know, especially... 16 candles with the, you know, yes, yes. I'm I'm surprised that you like that, but you have a problem with some of the things that were done in this film. Yeah. I mean, listen, I I'm saying like, I think we have to acknowledge again that we like know better and we do better. There's a lot of problematic shit in 16 candles, a lot of problematic shit in pretty in pink. Um, and, and also just like, like Ducky's a super annoying character. And the I love most annoying. Yes. Next like, to I Napoleon mean, dynamite. I would 100% get a restraining order against Ducky if he was my friend <laughs> in high school. And yet it somehow entertained me. Oh, I, I, I listen. He grew up to be a UCB, uh, rapist, a sex pass. I promise you that that's Ducky. And, 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 and uh, it's funny because it's probably true. Just kidding. Kevin Israel, why don't you lead off this one and let's hear your notes. So this shocking to Kevin Goatee was the first time I've ever seen this movie. Wow. Uh, yeah. Floor me. Floor this is me. one of those movies that people would start like talking about and I just go, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like when people talk really in-depth football, I just like, yeah, sure. Oh, I get what you're talking about. You fraud no you. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, you know what? I'm a lawyer and I pull it off. So <laughs> I, I went into this with, with really no expectations. Also, in in. Full honesty, I'm not a huge John Candy fan. I never was. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I just not. No, sorry. It's, yeah. that's okay. And uh, so I, I wasn't going into this with. I, I, I've also never seen Uncle Buck, which I know is also <laughs> Kevin Goatee. Um, it's just it, just it just was never my kind of comedy. So I went into this. I do like Steve Martin. I think Steve Martin's done some really funny things. One of my favorite scenes in 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 movie history, and it's not a great movie, but is when he's uh, in Pink Panther when he's trying to say cheeseburger. I think that's fucking hysterical, and I can watch that over and over again. Sorry, never saw it. Never saw Pink Panther. Um, I've never seen the oh, whole movie. I've just seen okay. that scene. Just that and, scene. And I think that scene is hysterical. Anyway, you got if you love um, if you love Steve Martin. I don't know if you've ever seen Bowfinger, but that's my yeah. favorite of. I, I hated Bowfinger. It's I, so watching, funny. I hated it. I don't, I, his his favorite, his best in my book is the Jerk, without question. The Jerk is also yes. Yeah, the there Jerk. So anyway, right, so right. I went into this movie with with no expectations. This movie, and I have to agree with Casey on this. I hate comedies that rely on two things: one, pure mishaps, and two, stupid people and assholes. And this movie combined those two. And the entire time, I just, it was just like, okay, they're on a train. Something's going to go wrong. They're on a plane. Something's going to go wrong. They rented the car. And I was just like, I've seen the picture. So I was like, I know the car is going to end up in shambles. Um, So for me, it was, and then like Casey said, Casey took a lot of the words out of my mouth. Like Steve Martin was just an asshole and he never evolves really past just being an asshole. You just, you just kind of have that moment at the end and you're just supposed to go, oh, okay. It's, it's all nice now. And John Candy's character goes from being kind of a, 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 a dumb asshole to being like a dumb, redeemable 
funny guy to being a, a, a an asshole who steals credit cards. So it's it's almost like what is his character and what is Steve Martin's character? There are funny there are funny parts. I I, I disagree with Casey on the point that there there were I did laugh. I, there were points in the movie where I laughed, and but I laughed at it like I was watching an SNL skit. Like each little there the funny parts were like little encapsulations that I didn't need to see tied together. Like the like the whole thing with the with the the seat. That could have yeah. been an SNL scene. That was an SNL scene. That whole scene with the car was an SNL scene. The scene on the bus with the guy with the two people making out and them watching, which is just disgusting to begin with. Just making being a, being on a bus is disgusting. <laughs> and then thinking about having sex on a bus is horrifying. And and then the whole thing with the feet and the, and Ken Gotinos and I. I've just met you, Casey. I hate feet too. I think it's disgusting. I, and I and I think focusing on feet is just horrible. So when he took his shoes off and he's just in socks, I was like, he's obviously going to take his socks off. Then yeah. he took his socks, and I was just like, that's it's filthy to me. It's just disgusting. I also think uh, eating in bed is horrifying to me. <laughs> eating and smoking, and then smoking in bed. I had a friend who used to say, "Oh, my favorite thing right before I go to bed is to smoke a cigarette." And I was like, "You are, uh... you are basically disease. Like that's." <laughs> horribly disgusting <laughs> and then he sits and smokes and eats in bed and it's all over the bed and, and i just want to it just it makes me feel gross right now just thinking about it uh so it's like they just they took like all these horrible things and added it up and made this character of dell but then at the end you're supposed to go oh but i like him and i didn't i didn't like dell at the end of this i did think it was a it was it was a nice twist and and kind of like you were saying that the john hughes likes these little twists that his wife was dead I saw it coming. Yeah. But the minute, the minute he said, oh, yeah, I haven't been home. And then he was, Steve Martin was like, why not? And he goes, ah, you know, cause I'm a traveling salesman. That was Chekhov's gun. He said right. something, there was no resolution. So clearly that was going to come back. And I was like, his wife, and, and I, I thought, I thought it was going to end up because again, I had no idea. I don't know anything about this movie other than, yeah. it's, it, other than it's a comedy about, you know, a comedy of errors. Right. And so I thought maybe it was going to turn out that he like either killed them or it was going to be something horrible. I thought maybe it was going to end that he was a horrible person, a serial killer or something. And Steve Martin, like I, I, I really saw this right. going a, a bunch of different ways and it never did go any of those ways. I thought, and I also started thinking that him being this shower curtain salesman, shower ring salesman, I thought that was going to pay off to something else. Like he has this kind of ridiculous job where it, it's helped him get all these relationships. And I thought in the end, I mean, it, they did kind of do it where he was selling the stuff to make money. Yeah. But it never turned. I, I thought it was going to turn into something Cheating bigger. people. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, like I thought in the end, like somehow Steve Martin was going to need something and, and he was going to be like, Oh, well, I have all these shower curtain rings or like something. I thought there was going to be some payoff of that. It, it never it never went there i will say this and you guys both you guys both harped on this and i'm gonna make myself look like an asshole now this is the, the robbery scene and you were both like that could never happen well <laughs> i was in miami with a buddy and we both passed out in our room after a night of drinking uh i was on spring break and somebody broke into our room and stole all of our shit and oh then the next God. like all of our money our wallets or my buddy's camera uh, a watch of mine and we woke up the next morning and it, and it was literally, I mean, now that we didn't accuse each other, but it was literally right. that scene where we were like, started looking for stuff. And it, we like, cause you never go there. You never go to, we were robbed. You go to, right. I must've misplaced it. Or like, did I lose it at the bar? And we started to go. And then it was, he was like, my wallet's gone. I was like, my wallet's gone. And then he was like, my camera's gone. I was like, where's my, 
And then we actually went to the security office and we watched on camera the guy go into our room and he was in the room for an uncomfortably long amount of time. So I don't know what else happened. <laughs> was he was he tonguing your earlobes too? <laughs> yeah. Oh my, he was washing his socks. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, and yeah, so he so we yeah, so it 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 did happen. Now we were also very very drunk and passed out. So right. I'll give myself that credit. But it I have was a question. Was, I have a question. Was this a shitty hotel room? No. No, it was a ve- it was a very nice hotel. So like, I have, with- so two questions about that. A, is there in room safe? B, is there a security latch above the actual handle? I mean, we were going back twenty seven years oh. right now, so uh, I don't exactly remember oh. 20, 24 years. Oh. Um, but if there was a safe, I can tell you what we didn't come. We came home so drunk we wouldn't. You have were too of drunk to stuff in this in this in the safe or. I, I don't know. I don't know about latching it. I'm, sh- I'm sure there was some kind of something or other, but it was, oh it God. was, it was a hotel. It's a long story, but the hotel, it was a specialty hotel that catered to models and celebrities. Cause my buddy's brother was a model. So he got us into this hotel and like, it's not a hotel that you can book normally. You can't like, it's not, you couldn't just walk in and get a reservation. Um, I need so, to know everything about this hotel, which we'll do yeah, on another it was, podcast. Honestly, it was really, and it, we was, were like, it was it was a red roof in on Collins Avenue. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like we were like twenty, just like normal looking doofy college guys, and everybody there was just painfully stunning. And we just and like everybody knew the joke, like we weren't supposed to be there. But anyway, so it can happen. Oh my god, is my well, is my overly long point. I'm glad you were okay. The yeah, thanks. <laughs> is he? So, yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> you don't know what scores I carry. <laughs> I do want to say one thing before we wrap up. There was one part of the movie that I found extremely funny. It was right at the very end where um, Neil finally comes home on Thanksgiving Day and his entire family it greets him at the door and he brings Dell inside after learning that Dell has nowhere to go on Thanksgiving. And Neil's wife, Susan, comes down the stairs and he looks up at her and she looks so horny. <laughs> Like right there on Maine in front of the, like, I'm sure she was trying to convey like absolute love, but it just looks so porny and horny, his <laughs> wife. And then he's like looking up at her and I'm like, oh, all the in-laws are there and Dell's there like squeezing his hat. And it's just like, she looks like she's ready to go and she wants to maybe. Well, did you guys, Neil the- and Dell. I had the uh, the DVD in, and I had the deleted scenes. She starts rubbing her clit on the stairwell next to everybody. <laughs> there, that's and in that the three-hour version. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so weird, but it's like she looks like a 1980s video vixen coming down the stairs, and it's she, all you know like- what she. That's you're 100 percent right. And in the 80s, and then the later 80s, and into the 90s, there was this thing they did, and I don't know why, but they did overlighting on people. Where yes. people always had this halo of light around them. I don't know why they thought that was a, a good look, but yeah. she came down and she had that halo of light around her as she walked down and she was dressed all like, I don't know, not like you would be in done Thanksgiving. And I thought that I, first I was like, who's that lady? And then I was like, oh, that's his wife. That's the wife. <laughs> and I was just like, she looks like she is about to just rock out in a white snake video and ride around <laughs> on something. She's going to try to contain the fucking place up. Yeah. Just like all the, all in front of the kids and God and everyone. It's been a, it was, been a, it was, it was a rough couple of days. 
The last, <laughs> the last thing I'll say is I, I, I agree with Casey. Also, the the wife was a little underutilized. It definitely wasn't about her. But I would have like, I thought it would have been funny if she thought something else was going on. I thought the first call she he made, and she's like, "Why are you in Wichita, wherever she was?" He was. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought she suspected he was having an affair. And I don't know why. Maybe that's just the mistrustful person I am. But I thought that's where it was going to go. And then I thought there was going to be like the side plot of her trying to prove that he was having an affair. I like I made this whole movie into something else that it wasn't. And they need to hire you on the Will Smith Kevin Hart movie so that they don't. <laughs> it won't, they don't it'll be a totally different movie. John Hughes, John Hughes movies are not multifaceted. Kevin, shame yeah, on you. Well, I, know, as many I, know. I know. But I so I was expecting something else from the wife, like while kind of like kind of like in home alone where the parents are going through this whole kind of other adventure trying to yes. get back home to him while he's you know i thought that's where it was going to go and it did it's called a b story john hughes Ooh. yeah yeah i would have i would have liked to be that's story, mean that's mean I, to say to john hughes r.i.p he's not he's i was just gonna say you can't, he can't hear you he's dead <laughs> so, i mean gosh yeah so for I, you know, I don't know how I would have felt about this movie if I saw it in the '80s. Maybe I would have liked it a little more. But I, it, it, there was some, there were some funny scenes. I get the quotes. I get the, I get the why people, some people liked it. For me, like I said, I can't stand a movie that just, that just rests on a comedy of errors and stupid people. I don't, I, I don't like Dumb and Dumber. Uh, mm. I, I know, mm. I know, I know. We agree on so much, and yet so, so but, far away in other things. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I, I, I guess, and Kev, I didn't even know this was a Thanksgiving movie. Like, I didn't know this was like the Thanksgiving movie. I feel like, I feel like I've been living some other alternate reality life where I didn't know about the whole cult behind this. But anyway, it, it, I, I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. And it's nothing I'll ever rush to see again. So for me, I give it a four and a half. These notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com, where you find every day some blog articles, some cool stuff. Like, that doesn't happen, where we watch movies like this one, and we pick out things that just don't happen, that screenwriters try and pretend that do happen in real life, as well as other ones. Trailer talk. This week, we talk about the Morbius trailer. And, of course, one of our other favorites, the quote section. And more merch than you can shake a stick at. It's hoodie weather, kids. It is hoodie weather. It is cold here in the Northeast. Hoodies, hats, bags, mugs. Guttingthesacredcow.com for all your merch needs and while you're at it write a five star two or three sentence review on the podcast platform in which you listen to us notes we've all been in meetings where that drags on where the department head just shuffles their feet so i feel for neil kevin israel you were in that same boat not even a week and a half ago where your boss kept dragging on and delaying our start to our podcast (laughs) did you notice the dad from ferris bueller's day off is in the opening scene in the boardroom i sure as hell did First, that doesn't happen in this movie takes place three minutes into the film where Neil is waiting in line on Park Avenue for cabs. Uh, To all you folks who don't live or work in New York City, no one waits in line for cabs on the streets. You try and snake people by standing up or down the block. The only place there are cab lines and Madison Square Garden or the airports. No one waits in lines. That doesn't happen. 75 bucks to bribe your way into a cab in 2021 is is batshit. In 1987 money, that's sanitarium insane. (laughs) He was a lawyer. Yeah. Running down the right lane of Park Avenue is a surefire way of getting clipped in the hip by a bike or car. He gets to the airport at 5.58 for a 6 p.m. flight. That's even beyond horseshit (laughs) pre-9-11. 
Steve Martin's son has a penis haircut. Did you notice that? I did. I asked the two of you this. Who has a better laugh in film than John Candy? I thought so. Julia Roberts. No, oh. David. Nope. So, oh, oh, you like when you, you like when horses neigh? That's fun. Uh, do you want to see me go in full berserker barrage? Take your shoes off in an airplane next to me. Watch, watch the knives come out on me. I'll stab you with those plastic butter knives. Ben Stein in an another in another John Hughes film. John Hughes is the original Judd Apatow, just a lot funnier and a lot shorter films. <laughs> The cabbie who picks him up from the airport. Did you know who that was? That was Billy Madison's lawyer buddy. Crazy Carl. Crazy oh, Carl. Yeah, Crazy Carl. <laughs> that was a great car. That cab was the best cab in movie history. I want that car. Yeah. But now people will go, that's problematic with all the porn attached to the top. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was no. porn in it. Yeah. Well, not porn, but chicks in uh, bikinis and such. Yeah. Another 10 more years before Kevin Israel is smoking on a Viber bed in a robe. You know what? I didn't say it. I have yet. I've never been in a hotel to see a Viber. I feel like a Viber bed was inv- invented by a screenwriter and it was I've just like an, a, another them. screenwriter. You've seen them. I've uh, never seen one. Yeah, I've seen. Them. I think they existed at one time, but it's one of those things like that. People just love to like. You know, there, nobody carries around a jug of moonshine with three X's on it either, but we see it all the time. And their eyes you are know. X'd out when they're drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what grown man? What, what's what grown man wears matching pajamas? A cute one. So do you, Kevin Israel, have matching? PJs? And you know what? One of us needs to write it. That doesn't happen about it because in movies and TV, people always come out in pajamas. I. I know w- women typically have like pajama sets that they might wear. My wife sometimes has some things that she, yeah, yeah. Mine too. I've never, I don't know any guys who have pajamas. What like, does every guy wear? Other to than bed? my dad, my dad sleeps oh, in pajamas. Does, does he have, oh, okay. does, does he have the cap, the, the, the cone cap with the little feather ball that falls to the side? He might as well. Does but I feel like, I feel does like. He- does he have a candle 50. he holds like this as he walks up the stairs to bed? <laughs> Ebenezer, Bob Molly was dead. Dead as hell. Who doesn't throw every single lock in a hotel room the second you shut the door? I do, especially the top latch. That's the first thing I check before going to bed. That's where I go. This you're right for doing that. So. And my my buddy, I learned through my buddy who got rolled in Vegas, met some gals. And brought him back, got drunk, and they then and, and they and they and they robbed him blind. He got his watch, got like a lot. Of, he had a Rolex, and he had a lot of money. I throw all my shit in the room safe. I've, I've I don't care how drunk I am. That is the first thing I am fastidious in doing. That I always go right to the safe. Could have my used money you clip. Nineteen ninety seven. I know you could have my watch, my watch, my money clip. All of us, all if I'm with a buddy of mine, we throw all their shit in the safe, lock it up, and then we had to latch the door. We're very secure people here. The motel clerk sends his kid to give him the ride to the bus station. Why the fuck is he bringing his wife and kids if you're driving a pickup truck and you're picking up two dudes? I get it for comedy sakes yes they have to ride in the back so they can have the the, the shot with the dog gnarling at them and freezing their ass off but i question that nonetheless i don't care <laughs> you're going to the airport why do you need to bring the wife and kid leave them home they got two guys okay you got the point not enough people on that bus look like they have dwis to be on that bus that bus should be- <laughs> thank you that, that, that bus should be a rolling narcotics anonymous meeting not just you know people all bright and cheery what I could have felt, I could have saw this film in 35 minutes. Why not just get a rental car the minute the airport says flights closed and get a rental car and just drive the fuck home? That's the first thing I would have done. Yeah. Uh, why instead of, yeah, 
why not, as I said, why not get a rental car and drive home instead of sit with people who think camping is a vacation? Mm. <laughs> Gross. I haven't taken a bus long ways like that because A, I'm not on the run from the law. I'm not on the run from the law, but I can imagine that people are going to viciously make out on a packed Greyhound bus. Mm. I don't, yeah. Mm. That sing along shit on the bus would immediately cease if I was on. If you're in a Greyhound, no one wants merriment and cheer. You're all here because you fucked up in life and there's no time for singing happy tunes when you should just be like, you know what? Let's just respect. Let's just have a moment, moment of introspection and go, this is why you need to make better choices in life. So I'm not on a bus. Flintstones is a very catchy song though. It is. I think it's also really difficult to sing song, like as hard as the star spangled banner. So I had to give them some respect for doing it. Who puts their wallet in a glove compartment? That's nonsense. You might as well hang a giant neon sign around John Candy's terrible mustache that flashes. Something is going to happen to this wallet. Get ready. Yep. I asked my co-host, who is the car expert? Not me. How do you put out a car fire with no fire extinguisher nearby? Yeah, you know, and it, none of that would have happened. The car, first and, of all, the car wouldn't have driven. Well, I was just that was my next point. And how the hell does a car that was on fire have the ability to start again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're going to end my discussion with one hell of a that doesn't happen. The very end when Steve Martin's talking to him in the platform in Chicago. Subway doors stay open for 10, 20 seconds max. Those yeah. doors would have shut on him. Or someone would yell, get the fuck off the train. That doesn't happen. By the way, Dell's wife looks like Marcy from Married with Children. Oh, yeah. Okay. Think about it. Think about yeah. it. There yeah. you go, Kevin. The, the helium earrings part. Do they not know how gas works? You don't gas earrings don't levitate because they have a lighter noble element of gas in them. Just <laughs> Just saying. By the way, that's scientific. Ah, yeah. well, Mr. You know. Wizard over here. Well, I have a call here and once in a while. By the way, that's not the house from Home Alone. I thought it was at first. I had to Google, but that house is one town away from the Home Alone house. Oh. That being said, John Candy is the epitome of a 500 batter. He either hits an absolute grand slam or he strikes out viciously. Strikeouts, including Breakfast Club, terrible. Pretty in Pink, terrible. 16 Candles, not caring for it. I can't remember the other ones. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a grand slam. Uncle Buck is a grand slam. And this, too, is a grand slam. You're both wrong. This easily passes the remote test. I don't care. It's absurd. I understand why you don't like the plot circling around a bunch of nonsense. I get it. The jokes are hilarious. I still laughed out. The part where he goes, well, you don't need anyone. Other head and another hand, another set of hands, another set of balls. Like, I'm fucking laughing. I love John Candy is so infectious. He's great. Steve Martin is such a dick. But you know what? Put yourself in his shoes. The man just wants to go fucking home. And all these comedy errors happen. Yes, of course, the coincidences of that, the likelihood of that, you know, the same as Kevin Israel's, you know, nose hair growing five feet per second or whatever. I couldn't think of a good one. I get all that. The jokes are there. Yes, the plots are always light in John Candy's, uh, John Candy's, John Hughes films. This film, forget the nostalgia. It's still funny. The jokes are still there. Eight out of ten. Classic still. I, I, I'm glad you, you made your last point. So the, 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 the grabbing your balls, whatever that whole exchange was, I thought, it, I, I thought what John Candy said was funny. The problem for me was 
they never showed Steve Martin grabbing his balls or doing anything like that. Right. It was just this random non sequitur that he was like, you grab your balls a lot. And I was like, does he? I haven't seen him do it. He hasn't. Yes. It was that wasn't teased at all. To So when you when it was like, oh, my God, he does. Or if there was like an accident where it looked like he was grabbing his balls for him, for John Kane to be like, you're always grabbing your nuts. And it was like, I wasn't there. That was it was a funny response to a completely nonsensical statement in within yes. the bounds of that but story. I, I hear you. I hear you. I'll just play devil's advocate. Would you want to see him grab his nuts two or three times this film and go, what the fuck? I didn't see. I didn't want to see a lot of that shit. Right. But it's almost like, it's almost like when you have a twist that had no, there was, there was, yeah, there was, there, there was no teasing of what actually happened. Kevin, to your, to your point, when they were having the argument over, did you take my money? No, my money's gone too. He said, you went in my stuff last night. You went in my wallet to get pizza. And I was like, we didn't see any fucking pizza. I guarantee you that was cut. That that must have been filmed and that was cut because I I, I thought the same thing too. Not that we needed to, but then they had to like, do all kinds of exposition like it was a like it was an episode of CSI when the medical examiner is like this is the windpipe where the wind goes down I'm just cutting open the trachea where's yeah. iced tea when you need them yes let's think let's see what those critics thought in our critics five star reviews 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 John Hughes the master of adolescent angst has finally grown up Plane trains and automobiles is a hilarious comedy without troubled teenagers. It is honestly one of the finest comedy performances of 1980s cinema. Led by the chemistry of Steve Martin and John Candy, John Hughes' Plane Trains and Automobiles remains a quintessential Thanksgiving classic. Expertly executed and very funny road movie that mixes physical, verbal, and situational comedy to memorable and like highly likable effect. Mm-hmm. Critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star. Critics, one-star reviews. The movie falls into the trap of wimpy and bland sentimentality. Pretty dispensable. Yeah, I didn't agree with that either. Pretty dispensable. I'm going to disagree with you on that. The film does have its scattered moments, but too often the audience has as much reason as Dell and Neil to do to do wonder if anywhere, where are they going? Motherfucker, I'm like, motherfucker, he's going home. He's going <laughs> home and he did it in an hour and a half. That's very well placed. That's a dumb observation this critic made. Where is he going? The film barrels along with a bumbling zeal, but it's comedy at its most predictable. Yes. Mm. I uh, my review of the reviews is I liked Pretty Dispensable the best. Amazon five star reviews. Amazon five star reviews. Amazon five star reviews. Amazon five star reviews. Gutting power. Our family goal is to watch it every year at Thanksgiving. This movie makes you laugh and also feel sad as you realize not everyone has family at the holidays. Use it as a lesson to reach out to those who may need family, in quotes. Oh, there's a more you know segment. There's, in the yeah, there's, a, there's a PS thing oh. in this. 
When I was in ki- when I was in kindergarten, I had to perform a sing song performance in front of all the parents. Kindergarten. Hannah McKay was my dance partner. At one point, we had to wear sombreros. Don't ask. Anyway, during dress rehearsal, I picked up my sombrero, but I didn't notice that Hannah's was attached to mine. The director of this performance laid into me. She yelled, "I did that on purpose. That I'm sabotaging her show again." This is a kindergarten performance, and, that, and I'm a bad apple doing all of this. I was embarrassed, traumatized, and felt like crawling into a hole and dying. The performance happened without a glitch, and we got a hearty, hearty applause. Anyway, this movie is a great buy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that person is my favorite reviewer of all time. He just that, took us down a whole story. That, that person, I'm going to find that person and follow their reviews if that's possible. Signed, there's, your, there's your absurdist humor for you. Signed $50 copay to savings <laughs> on a therapist. <laughs> Next one, Megan from Maryland. I give this movie five stars and do sums up. It's awesome, fun, funny, family friendly and cute. If you like Steve Martin and John Candy, you will love this movie. It's a classic. And if you like train, plane, trains and automobiles, you'll love it. it's a comedy. That's fun and worth every penny. I recommend it. I would give it sums up, sums up and five stars again. And I would review it. And I again, I think it's good, but I wouldn't put in the top 10 for the top, 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 top 20. I would put in the top 50, but it's fun to watch. Looks like Megan from Maryland should change her name to Run On Rachel from Rhode Island. <laughs> that was also Megan's first draft, and she did not <laughs> give it a second pass. She, a didn't put pass. Punctu- she didn't put punctuation in that. How about that, Casey? <laughs> we love to watch this every year just before Thanksgiving. We are usually down at our condo, but this year, due to the pandemic, we didn't travel. So we just ordered another copy. Gotta have it. Wow. What a bunch of rich bitches. What, they were able to splurge on five bucks and for a second trans- movie for their second home? Fuck you guys. Amazon one star reviews. Amazon one star reviews. Here come the Amazon one star reviews. If you can't help but laughing when someone trips and falls down, you will enjoy this movie. A waste of a $4. And now Amazon's in- insisting I write at least 100 characters. <laughs> I love the bitterness. Yes. <laughs> That's like what the, the term that the professor goes, uh, I said 500 words, and this clearly is 450. <laughs> Wait, the Amazon reviews have a minimum character count? I just That's learned ridiculous. that yes, two That's days ago. Ridiculous. You it? can't just write pretty dispensable on Amazon. You gotta yeah. go on and on. You just Sucks. can't write, yeah, I just can't write fuck this shit. <laughs> I had forgotten about the profanity in this movie. For the most part, it was funny, but could not get past the profanity. Sad. But guys, this is why Bible bumpers are insane. One scene and they curse because when they curse, they take it down to one star. They admitted it's funny, right? But they drop it down to one star. Because of one scene in Curse. This is why I hate people and their agendas. Trash. Go ahead. You have to say something, Casey. No, that is my most hated critique is that people don't like – people always – here's a window into what it's like to be a woman in comedy. People will often say, I think you're very funny, but you swear too much. Did not intend to buy it. Do not want it. Only wanted to watch it for two ninety nine. Please collect. Please correct. John E. Sallow signed off on that. Well, John, congratulations. Uh. You're, you're the John. You are now the proud owner of a new film. And never. Hey, all of our listeners, pretend you're from Amazon and email John and say, John, look at the mail. The check is in the mail. 
Oh my gosh. Next one. My wife ordered it without me knowing. Could be worse movies though. <laughs> You're supposed to run all the rentals by me. I bet his wa- I bet his wife orders him around too from what it sounds. <laughs> next one. I want my two hours back. I say, well, next time, don't stare at a blank screen for 30 minutes after the credits fall because this is an hour and a half movie, dumbass. Touche. I hate that they use God's name in vain. I turned it off. Signed, Luther Campbell. <laughs> I had to throw a new one in there, Kevin Israel. Hey, uh, Kevin Israel, did Casey uh, St. Ange, excuse me, did Casey St. Ange gut the sacred cow? I don't like where this is going. <laughs> See, this is why you make the big decisions at the end of the Yeah, podcast. I don't like that you make me lead this off because... In my mind, she did. I agree with everything she said, but I just don't like the. I don't like the movie. So I, uh, yeah, I think she did. But you're not going to agree, and then we're going to have to go to the audience vote. And then they're all going to. Everyone's going to murder me. So okay, Kevin Israel, you're. I think you and I have really similar sensibilities, and that's okay. That's what makes the world go round. It is. It is. We'll it be is. all right. Horse racing. You know, we'll says if some, right. you know, they say there's similar sensibilities. People who are wrong. Casey St. Ange. <laughs> where can the world find you again? What are you up to? Shout it out. I'm just, you know, on Twitter at Casey, C-A-I-S-S-I-E. Don't tweet me if you want to say mean things to me about not liking planes, trains, and automobiles. Because every year I tweet that I don't like it and I stand by it and you can't hurt me um you that, can don't, don't listen don't say that that's a challenge to our <laughs> listeners they will attempt to hurt you i promise <laughs> now i mean listen that says more about them than that does about me i'm i'm a parent i have many of these platitudes loaded up and ready to I'll go i'll come to your defense case <laughs> thank you and uh you can find me on instagram at instacase and you can find me every wednesday morning on busy phillips is doing her best uh wherever you get fine podcasts uh we don't gut any movies but sometimes we gut some things um and you know so it's a if you like gutting you might happen across some gutting in that podcast and then um yeah if uh just follow me on twitter and i'll tell you about whatever next tv show i'm working on kevin israel uh, you can find me at kevinisrael.com for all my dates. Uh, some, uh, some stuff is still rolling in, taking a two month hiatus through December and January because, uh, I'm having a baby and I have to figure out how that thing works. No, your wife wow. is having, no, your wife is having a baby. You're not, you're no, not, your uh, wife is the, the way we got here. I'm having the baby. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, so like I've said in the intro, uh, leave us a five-star review and a rating, a five-star rating and a review because it means something to us and we love it. And it also helps us with the crazy algorithm that we are constantly doing battle with. So uh, so leave us a rating and a review and we appreciate it. And download this podcast for these guys that they're making yeah! for you. That, that matters yeah. as well. Yeah. Subscribe and download. Yes. I, thank I, you. I love the cut of your jib, Casey. <laughs> KevinGoatee.com, of course, NFL picks, as well as Instagram, Kevin Goatee, where you see my daughter doing the NFL picks every Sunday morning. And again, guttingthesacredcow.com as well for all those stuff before. Oh, yeah. And of course, dates as well, KevinGoatee.com. But yeah, gutting the sacred cow, all social platforms. Do us a favor, subscribe on YouTube. That really does help. 
And uh, we hope to get a live show going on after uh, Kevin pops the uh, the baby out of his uterus. So it's going to be a fantastic scene. I can't wait to see the video of that. And then uh, that's that. Thanks again, guys, for coming on the podcast. Casey, thank you so much for hanging out with us and oh, uh, and, and, and standing very bravely on this. I know the fans <laughs> love this film, so it's going to be quite the, uh, have quite the reaction. But again, I applaud your bravery and thank you for coming on. And we'll see you all next time. Take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.